Hey, would y'all pray with me? God, we thank you for this time and this space. We, we get to gather together to worship you. I pray that as we dive into your text, uh, your word this morning, would you call us? Would you draw some into yourself? Would you make us look more like Jesus as a result of our time together this morning? And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So one of my dreams as a dad has been to take my kids camping and to enjoy the outdoors. And not necessarily to teach them any specific skills, but to, to get them genuinely enjoying being outside, being in nature, and all of those sorts of things. Now Henry, my son, who's eight now, um, we, we weren't sure really when to start with him, but we, I began doing this with him just in our backyard, right? We'd set the tent up, uh, and I'd, I'd make sure that he could make it all night long, and he wouldn't be too scared, and we could make it all the way through. And once he did that, we started camping out at our family's farm. Well, Eden, uh, his little sister, when, he sees, uh, older, when she sees older brother doing something, she wants to do that thing. And so she's been asking for years, Daddy, when do I get to go camping? I want to go camping too. Let's, let's go camping. And so last May, when she was four, we decided, all right, we think she's, she's ready to go. So, so we hyped it up, and we did the thing, right? Like, we talked about it for weeks, and we started preparing. We got all, everything all together. I bought them candy. One thing we do when we go camping, I let them pick out their own candy from the store so that they have something really to look forward to, because I'm not sure if they actually like the part of camping. So we got it all ready. And uh, we, we get out to, to the pasture, we set everything up, we get our, our sleeping bags out, get the candy out to start snacking on it, and then I accidentally set the pasture on fire. So it turns out, we've got a picture actually for you, I took a picture of it. Um, so so we're, we're far enough removed where I can laugh with you, it was not funny in the moment, um, Turns out I'm an awful Boy Scout. Um, now, here's the situation. Here's the scenario, okay? It's May. They're going to keep laughing at me. You better pull it down. It's May, so it's not full-on summer, okay? So it's not like hot, super drought, but it was a dry spring. We're not in a burn ban, okay? So here's what I tried to do, right? I tried to just light a, a small area on fire and burn it back and then stomp it out to where, like, I had this buffer, right? In theory, man, what a good idea, right? Turns out it was not a good idea. And the four foot by four foot square that I wanted to have turned into like five acres. So we had plenty of space that that night we, you know, we, had, we were safe that night. Um, now, I'd already set out the chairs and the tent and all this stuff. And so while, while, while this thing's taking off, I'm like scrambling pulling it back, like I'm trying to save my tent and my chairs, and man, my sweet four-year-old daughter's just staring, like she's probably thinking, Daddy, I don't, I don't like camping. <laughs> is, is this, this is camping? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like this. So thankfully, nothing was seriously hurt other than my pride. We lost a little bit of equipment, some, some you know, I lost a coat, we lost some of the kids' candy. Other than that, we were safe, and man, I was, we were going to camp that night. We went back out there. Like we got it put out, you know, nothing, you know, was terribly hurt. So we get back out there. I set everything up again. Everything smells like ash, like it's just awful. And as we lay there, we, we started talking about what happened and if they're enjoying it now. I mean, it's like 11 p.m., right? So we're, we're settled back in, 
And, uh, you know, when you take your kids camping, you've already got to worry about, like, bug noises uh, keeping them awake, which I probably killed all the bugs. Um, but, like, coyotes howling, right? Coyote noises, uh, the tent flapping, like, all of these things. And now my kids are visualizing that in their minds, too. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting them to have a good time, and they're feeling all of these things, I think, at least. And so we started talking, and what I found was they were never actually afraid, which is ironic because I was terrified. But, but they were never actually afraid despite all of those things. Through it all, they trusted that it being in my presence, that I would take care of them and I would provide for them no matter what else was going on around them. Now we find our place in, our, in the text this morning with the disciples being filled with anxiety and fear because Jesus has just told them he's leaving them and they can't come with him. They had incredible confidence when being in the presence of Jesus. They trusted that he would take care of them no matter what else was going on around them. But in his absence, they were terrified. And that's where we, found, we find ourselves this morning. So if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, let's look back just briefly to, to see where we are in our text. Uh, anxiety is filling the room of, of the disciples, and Jesus is starting to communicate, hey, the end is near. So in John 12, 27, he says, this is Jesus talking. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. John 13, 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit, and he testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And we know that Judas was his betrayer from 13, 2. During supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And then later in verse 26, Jesus had dipped the morsel. He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, go and do quickly. So the disciples are, are still a little confused at what's going on, but things are starting to happen quickly now. This is the night that they are going to take Jesus. And then Peter, at the end of 13, makes his bold claim, right? Why can't I follow you? I would die for you, Lord. To which he responds, Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before tomorrow morning. Okay, so that's where we are. So they're, they're feeling anxious, and this is, this is where we pick up. They're, they're wondering, you know, where, where did Judas just go, and, and why can't we follow you, Jesus? We've been with you for three, we've left everything behind. We've been with you for three years, and here in our most intense moment, you're going to leave? You're going to leave us? That's where we pick up. Now, what's astonishing in this moment that Jesus is feeling the weight of what's coming, right? We've, we've read that. Jesus is feeling the pressure and the weight, and we, he knows what's coming. But in this moment, we still find Jesus comforting his disciples, comforting those he loves. So we're going to find this morning that Jesus gives us a blueprint for how to respond when we are anxious, when we are fearful, when we are afraid. And he first shows the, the disciples how to do that by believing in God in response to our anxious hearts. That's what he tells us this morning. Believe in God in response to your anxious hearts. Let's read verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In the Greek, uh, this could be translated as either an indicative or an imperative. So either as a statement of fact or as a command. 
So option one could be statement, statement, you believe in God, you also believe in me. Option two could be statement, command, you believe in God, therefore, believe in me, command. Or option three could be command, command, believe in God, also believe in me. And I believe the ESV gets it right here with option three, because he feels the anxiety that the disciples have. He's trying to recenter them, to call them in, say, guys, calm down. Believe in the Father and believe in me. That's all that he says. Now, just like the disciples, we can at times want more than that, right? We want to get past belief. We need, we need more. The disciples say, I think it's Thomas who says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Where are we going to go? And then Philip says, just show us the Father. Then it would be enough. If you just show us who the Father is, just give us a little more. And Jesus is probably thinking, I, guys, I've, I've given you everything you need. I've given you everything you need. Just believe in me. Just trust me. And I believe this is what he would tell us this morning, too. When, when we feel anxiety build, when we become afraid, when we look at our circumstances, when we become overwhelmed, and we feel distant from God, I believe he would tell us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in the Father. Believe also in me. So what is it that makes you anxious or afraid? Is it finances? Believe in the Father. Believe also in the Son. Is it peer pressure? Believe in the Father. Believe also in the Son. Is it comparison to one another, perhaps through social media? Believe in the Father. Believe also in the Son. Is it worry for your kids, parents, that God doesn't really love your kids as much as you do? Believe in the Father. Believe also in the Son. Is it loss that you've experienced or impending loss that is coming? This can be so hard. But believe in God. Believe also in the Son. Is your life just not playing out the way that you hoped it would? Believe in the Father. Believe also in the Son. Now the enemy may say to you or your heart and your mind may have on repeat, well, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. Or in our circles, we may hear a lot of, well, you don't know my Enneagram number. Like, you, you don't know my personality quirks. Or you, or you may be telling yourself, like, but I, what I'm experiencing is way worse than what everyone else is experiencing. Now, worry and anxiety can feel overwhelming at times, and I don't want to in any way make light of the heaviness that can bring. But I do, however, want to acknowledge that the disciples, imagine what those disciples felt. Imagine the weight of feeling like they were going to be left alone by God. God was leaving them. Imagine how afraid they must have felt. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is the foundation, right? to fight anxiety and fear. This is the foundation, belief in God. Resolve to not let your present circumstances overshadow your belief in and faith in God. Believe in God in response to your anxious hearts. Now, if anything can multiply our fear or anxiety in these moments, it's loneliness, right? Feeling that we are alone Isolation from both God and others increases and multiplies 
our anxiety and fear, which is why Jesus calls us to remember the promises of God when you feel alone. Let's read in verse 2. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So the disciples, to this point, they've learned that Jesus can get them out of any jam, right? Any jam they find themselves in, Jesus can get them out, which is why you see them clinging so tightly to him in this moment. Parents, your, your kids do this too. The smaller they are, the more they do this, right? Like this past week, we took our kids to Cleveland Family Fun Night. We had a, our, our kids' elementary school had just a welcome back night. And we learned there that our two-year-old had never seen the Chick-fil-A cow. And how did we learn that? Because of the shriek that came from her body. So apparently our older kids had seen the cow, and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, no big deal. And as soon as Scarlett, oh, our sweet Scarlett, saw that cow, her body tensed up. She turned red, and I, I don't even know how this sound came from her body. And she's paralyzed for a moment, and then what does she do? Where's mom and dad, right? Where's mom and dad? And not just where's mom and dad, but it's the tightest hug she's ever given us. She's squeezing so tightly because she's like, I don't know what that is, but I know I'm safe here. Now, now daddy, get me away from that cow, right? And that's what you see the disciples doing. They're, they're afraid. And so they're clinging to Jesus. Why, why are you leaving? Don't leave. Don't leave. Jesus seeks to calm them down by saying, my physical separation is only temporary. In fact, I'm going somewhere to prepare a place for you that we can be together forever. It's only temporary. Now, some of y'all have reached out to us for premarital counseling. This is pretty common. Uh, each year, some of y'all are engaged or preparing to be engaged, and so you want to learn how to be married. You want to prepare yourself to be married to someone else. And maybe if you're married in the room, maybe you felt this when you were engaged, but the date you've set off into the future can sometimes feel like forever away, right? And maybe this isn't the best example, but just imagine like whatever event you'd like to do or something that you'd like to see happen that you're confident will happen someday, it can feel so far away. But for those of you who are engaged, you know that because of your commitment to one another and the date you've set that it's eventually going to get here. It's eventually going to arrive. And Jesus' return can feel also like it's forever into the future. And certainly the, the heavy moments of life, the trials we face, can make it feel farther. Perhaps you even feel like David felt in Psalm 13 when he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day, all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. There's nothing wrong with us feeling and praying this prayer also. Genuinely asking, God, how long? How long will you feel far away? Is it forever? To which he may respond, well, it might be a little longer. The pain and hurt, the fear you feel, it may be a little longer, but the promise this morning is that it's not forever. 
is not forever. His physical separation from us is only temporary. John, the author of this book, also writes in Revelation. He says a whole bunch of good stuff at the end. In the second to last verse in the whole Bible, he says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. To which he responds, Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. And this is our plea, right? Come soon. Lord Jesus, don't be slow. Come back. But we can have confidence that he will Eventually, this is good news. Heaven isn't some place that's awesome because there's mansions and there's golden streets and because Audio Adrenaline said we're going to play football there. It's great because Jesus is there. He's the prize that we seek. The place we all want to be in the end is not a location. It's not a specific building. It's a person. It's Jesus. It's in his presence. Now the question this morning is, do we live as if he is actually our prize? Is Jesus this morning all satisfying to you? Because, I mean, let's talk about something for a second. Like, if, if, if you're not super excited about Jesus now, man, heaven's going to kind of be a bummer for you. In fact, if Jesus isn't all satisfying to you, if, if he's not like everything, like you pushed your chips all in on him, what confidence do you have that you'll even be with him for all eternity? I don't say this just to scare you away, but perhaps you need to hear a warning this morning that heaven is great because you're in the presence of God himself. He is all satisfying. He is. Is he all satisfying to you? Like, are you saying, like, God, God I, I love a lot of what you do, but I also love this thing. Like, you tell me that this, this is sinful or it's not honoring to you, but, oh, man, it tastes good now. That's not all satisfying. Come before God this morning. Turn from your sin, even this morning, to Jesus and come open-handed to him. But remember, his absence is only temporary. We will be reunited with him. So remember the promises of God, and in particular, this promise, when you feel alone. So in these moments of fear, when we, we may be tempted to run, run to other things to get us by. So you see a problem in front of you that, you, that feels bigger than you, so we run to, to sex or alcohol or, or being liked by others or bigger bank accounts or maybe, maybe you stress eat, maybe it's food, whatever it may be that you turn to, which is why Jesus also urges us to trust that he's enough. Let's read in verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going, Thomas said to him. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, Thomas. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is still trying to comfort and calm down his disciples, but Thomas needs more. He, he's very literal. He's a very literal person. He wants something more specific. How can we know how to get there when we don't know where we're going? Tell us more. Jesus, can you just like drop a pin? on an app for me and just show me like exactly where and then I'll go like are you going around Jerusalem or he's, he's very literal and I can relate like if my if my wife sends me to the store and she says something like hey can you get some more heavy whipping cream okay okay sure uh what size well you know they're just the this is the normal size well okay like like the big the big one or like 
how many ounces? Can you just t- can you take a picture and just send it to me? Or like if some of you like try to explain to me where to go, specifically in OKC, like I'm just not familiar with streets up there. I'll just kind of let you talk for a while and just, you know, I'm just being polite. Like, hey, you know, you know up there by 23rd Street, just past the Chick-fil-A, around the Walmart, you know, up there past the, the loop. You know, I'll, I'll be kind and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I ask you and I'm like, no, no, I don't know, then you're just going to tell me more that I don't know about. So I'm just going to let you finish and just nod. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. And then when you're done, I'll say, hey, can you just maybe just drop me a pin and just shoot it over? Google Maps, I'm just going to follow exactly what my GPS, do you know what a GPS is? Like, you know what a smartphone is? Yeah, just, yeah, just send me that and I'll, and I'll follow it there. Because otherwise, I have no idea. Thomas and I are pretty similar in this regard. He wants more than the vagueness that Jesus is currently giving him. But he assures them that it is enough because he says, Thomas, I'm the way. Nothing else matters. You'll figure it out. Follow me. I'm the way. D.A. Carson helps us understand the weight of what he's saying here. He's convinced me that the way is the principal theme in this verse and that the truth and the life are a supporting role. So I'm going to seek to to convince you that as well. I'm going to just read a quote that D.A. Carson has written. He says, Jesus is the way to God precisely because he is the truth of God and the life of God. Jesus is first the truth because he embodies the supreme revelation of God. He himself narrates God, John 1.18. He says and does exclusively what the Father gives him to say and do, 5.19, 8.29. Indeed, he is properly called God in chapter 1 and chapter 20. He's also alluded to this throughout John. He is God's gracious self-disclosure, his word made flesh. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is also the life, the one who has life in himself. He's the resurrection and the life, 1125. He's the true God and eternal life, 1 John 5.20. Only because he is the truth and the life Can Jesus be the way for others to come to God? The way for his disciples to attain the many dwelling places in the Father's house? And therefore, the answer to Thomas's question. So in this context, Jesus does not simply blaze a trail like he's a pioneer in the early days of America. And he's saying, follow me. Not that. He's saying, I am the way. I'm it. He is himself the Savior, the Lamb of God. And listen to this the one who so speaks that those who are in the graves hear his voice and come forth. John 5, 28. He so mediates God's truth and God's life that he is the very way to God. The one who alone can say, no one comes to the Father but through me. So when Jesus tells his disciples, when he tells us, you know where I'm going, It's not because we have that location on Google Maps. It's because we know Jesus, right? We read in his word the things he said about himself and the things he's done, and we know the way because we know him. He's both the destination our hearts long for, and he's the path to getting there. So my wife and I are are very similar in some ways, and yet in in some other ways, we are very, very different. And that could not be made more clear than what we each experience on a road trip, okay? 
I love vacation. I really love vacation. I love getting away, you know, being with my family. It could be the beach or the mountains or a lake, even Thunderbird. Probably not Thunderbird, but like you get, you get it. Like just getting away, taking a break from the normal routine of life, putting work responsibilities to the side, being with my family, getting some rest. I could be almost anywhere. What I don't like about vacations is traveling. I hate it. I hate it so much. This summer, we went to Florida with our kids, and we decided to drive. So 15 to 15 and a half hours with three kids in the back. And man, it, it just wasn't great. It just wasn't good. But at any moment, I could look over at my sweet wife, and I just wonder what she's seeing. Like, I, like are we looking at the same thing? Like, are we experiencing the same thing? Because she, she might be sipping her coffee or, you know, listening to some music or something or just looking outside in nature. And she, it's just like she's just having the best time. Like, we could just drive all day long, every day, all the time. She's just, like, having the best time. Now, to be sure, she has the better perspective. Like, she's right. I'm, I'm definitely wrong. But when I see something and it's like, okay, okay, I want to I wanna be there. I just want to be there now. Like, I don't want to be there in 15 and a half hours from now with three kids yelling at me right? I want to be there now. And I find myself oftentimes doing this in life in general as well. That if I have a goal that I've set or I, or I see a place or there's somewhere I want to be, or if I want to even, even in discipleship, if I want to bring someone along, it's like, man, let's, man, let's go now. Let's get there. Let, let's have it right now. And I think especially when we face hardship or trials or you know, like, like the disciples, if we see something in front of us that gives us fear or causes us to be anxious, we can want to bypass the journey, right? Like if only we could get past this hardship, then life would be good, right? Our union with Christ allows us to receive the grace and mercy he's offered, the peace and hope that only he can provide, and we can enjoy the journey, almost as much as the destination, because God's with us. He is the way. So the way to enjoy life is to enjoy God, is to enjoy Him. And the journey can feel a little more like the destination. We keep our eyes on Him, and we see Him as the treasure hidden in the field. That no matter what we experience, we can still have freedom and joy in Jesus. When Jesus says to, to His disciples, he says, I will come and I will take you where? Where does he say? To heaven, to eternal life, to freedom. He says, I will come and take you to me. Such a weird way to talk, right? We don't, we don't talk that way. I will come and take you to me because he is the destination and he's the way. He's going to come and get us to take him to himself. What a beautiful thing. There's one more thing we see in our text this morning. When we feel anxious and lonely or fearful of our current circumstances, he assures us that we are so capable of doing great things for God. And how is that so? By walking confidently in the Holy Spirit. Despite our weak faith and forgetful hearts, Jesus still promises to do great things through those that believe in him. So it would be easy for us to sit back and armchair quarterback Peter and Thomas and Philip, can I use sports illustrations? It's football season, right? I can say that. Like, to sit back and say, man, these guys, like, they were with God. Like, they were with Jesus in the flesh. 
man, come on, guys, believe better, right? Like, we, if we were there, you know, for three years with Jesus, we, we wouldn't doubt, right? Sounds familiar, though, doesn't it? Doubting, anxious, exhibiting such little belief, even though we've personally walked with Jesus for years, that's us. We are Peter that cower in fear at times, though we proclaim we follow Jesus boldly who in intense or stressful moments forget that Jesus is God and is sovereign over all things. We are Philip, who desperately want to see a sign from God when we've already seen everything we need to see. We are these guys. And what does he tell them? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father So whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we need a caveat here. There are a number of ways these verses specifically can be manipulated. I want to first talk about what these verses are not saying. These verses are not saying that anything you ask God to do, he'll do. He's not like some genie in the bottle that you just come and make a wish and poof, you just get whatever. These verses are not saying that you will do everything Jesus did. These verses are also not saying that as long as you say in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer, they suddenly get answered. He's not saying those things. Now, what are these verses actually saying? First, I believe, it's saying belief produces obedience and action. Belief produces obedience and action. If you believe... You will obey. You will imitate Jesus. When he says, in my name, what does that mean? When he says, if you pray in my name, I will answer your prayer. What does that mean? Jesus' purpose on earth was always to what? To bring glory to his Father. So when we pray in Jesus' name, it's not a tag at the end of our prayer necessarily. We're praying for the things that bring glory to the Father. So his purpose for us, even, that, even now, is to bring glory to the Father. So he promises to do anything we ask in his name, which means the things that we ask that bring glory to the Father. Now, this can get a little tricky, right? Because we're sinners. And even the most intentional and heartfelt prayers can be a little tainted with sin, right? Like we pray for this or that to happen, but, I mean, I'm kind of praying for that because this benefits me, right? Like if my spouse is better, my kids are better, like I want to pray for them to be more like Jesus, but really it's because they annoy me, or, or whatever it may be, like it can be a little tainted with, I'm getting benefit out of this. But I want to say that shouldn't keep us from praying bold prayers. Pursue Jesus, pursue the heart of God, walk in obedience to him, and then pray boldly. Pray for the things that bring glory to the Father. Do it. Absolutely. And I believe what Jesus says, that he will answer those prayers. And what does he mean when he says greater works? That you will do greater things even that Jesus has done. Wow, that, that's, a, that's a big statement, right? I think he says that for two reasons. First, his work on earth will have been completed, so his disciples will have a greater revelation than they do at that time. So instead of calling people to follow Jesus and looking ahead, saying, Jesus is going to do this or that. They're looking behind. They're saying, look at what Jesus has done. There's a greater revelation 
of Jesus' work on the cross, his death, and his resurrection. He's been glorified. So looking back, saying, man, look who this God is. Follow him. And second, his disciples will be working through the Holy Spirit's power. In just a couple of verses, he tells them in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, who's the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. In chapter 15, he says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then in chapter 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit of God, the helper, he's with us. He is with you. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you. So for those in Christ, even in your loneliest moments, even when you are most afraid, if all have left you, you are still not alone. For God is with you. What has he said? The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Forever. If you believe the words of Jesus, it's to our advantage that he's not with us because the Spirit of God is. So despite our weak faith and our forgetful hearts, he promises to still do great things through those that believe in him. So walk confidently in the Spirit. So whatever is causing your hearts to be troubled this morning or whatever regularly causes your hearts to be troubled, maybe you even go through life with this low level of anxiety that's just always there. Like you're always afraid something bad's gonna happen. Like so, or you're gonna be left alone or something is gonna happen. What does Jesus tell us this morning? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in the Father, believe also in the Son. He says also, I will come again. I will take you to me. He says also, I am the way to the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen God himself. In his word we have. We've seen Jesus. He also says, you will do greater works than I have done. So not only is he not leaving us forever, he's working now to prepare a place for you, for those who follow him. And despite our weaknesses, despite our short memory regarding his faithfulness to us, he reassures us that we will do greater works than he has done. What a good and gracious God we serve. So I'm going to remind you one more time. Let us, as we leave this place, believe in God in response to our anxious hearts. Remember the promises of God when we feel alone. May we trust that Jesus is enough, and may we walk confidently in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, you have been so good to us. We are so undeserving of your grace and your mercy and your love for us, and yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, while we were enemies, while we hated you, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. So we thank you. We praise you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room that may be walking through difficult moments even now. I pray that the word of God this morning would comfort them, would comfort their hearts, and that you would allow them even today to feel your nearness through the Holy Spirit. Would you calm their anxiety and their fear? God, I pray that you would put people in their life even to surround them, to encourage them in this time. And I pray for those of us in the room who, man, life's great, life's good. 
I got no fear. I'm not anxious about anything. Maybe that's true. I pray that they would remember these words, that they would remember the words of Jesus when it does get hard, when they are anxious, when they are afraid. Help them to remember that your absence is only temporary and the Spirit of God is with them. Help us, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.